Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. In December 2021, we produced an episode of the Inside China podcast looking at the multiple crackdowns happening in different sectors of mainland China's economy. There was the crackdown on influencers making a profession out of live streaming and taxing their income. There was the crackdown on gaming, with new rules restricting violent content and celebrity worship, as well as how long young people were allowed to play for each night. And there was the crackdown on after-school tutors, effectively outlawing a multi-billion dollar industry overnight. And while crackdowns on live streaming and gaming almost exclusively affected Chinese companies, the bans on after-school tutoring sent shockwaves through the billion-dollar education companies listed on Wall Street. But over the past few months, there's been an escalating sense of a new flex from Beijing, and it's affecting the companies who are paid to provide information about Chinese companies to prospective customers, clients and investors from Wall Street and all around the world. And as of last weekend, we've just witnessed a new front open up in the tech war between Washington and Beijing. And this time, it's an American company in the firing line. U.S. firm Micron Technology. Micron. It's Micron. Those shares are lower. And Micron's been banned uh, from China over security issues. Micron is the world's fourth largest chip maker, as well as making USB drives, flash drives, and RAM memory for digital devices. On Sunday, it was declared a national security risk and would be banned for sale to China's key information infrastructure operators. It's got people asking... Are we witnessing a new era of crackdowns in mainland China? And if so, what happens next? That's the agenda for this edition of Inside China. Hello, my name is Jared Bott, specialist digital editor for the South China Morning Post here in Hong Kong. And I'm back in the presenter's chair this week while my colleague Holly Chick is on assignment. You're going to hear from some of my other colleagues on the tech desk in our Shanghai and Beijing bureau talking about the bans on Micron and the high-profile consultancies that have been raided and in some cases had their staff members arrested in mainland China. But you're also going to hear from someone whose job description matches the one that's been making the headlines and why it's in the crosshairs of Beijing authorities. The problem is in China, often these crackdowns go way beyond their original scope. So that means that anybody with any information is going to be potentially in trouble. And we've seen that with wind information, which provides uh, bond data. It's now hard to access that. So unfortunately, in China, they tend to have campaigns that lack restrictions. And these campaigns often exceed their initial goals. So let's start with this latest developing story of U.S. chipmaker Micron. Here's the statement released from the Cyberspace Administration of China. The review found that Micron's products have serious network security risks, which pose significant security risks to China's critical information infrastructure supply chain, affecting China's national security. 
With me to talk about this is our editor for our technology desk at the South China Morning Post, currently in our Beijing bureau, Joe Sin. Joe Sin, hello, welcome back. Hello, Jared. Let me cut straight to the point, Joe Sin. How much of this issue is firing a salvo in response to the last three years of Biden's escalating sanctions on access to high-end chips for China? Jared, it's very interesting because for the outside world, it's apparently this is a clear sign of tech war escalation, as I just mentioned. Is China finally, you know, fed up with uh, all these aggressive moves by Washington, and it's time for China to make its own attack, and let's say our counter strike. Uh, but in a Chinese narrative, this is a purely one-off thing, and it's purely factual-based investigation into problematic products that may have uh, national security concerns. So if you pay attention to other sides of the Chinese government, you will see that you know, just uh, hours after after the government announced its uh, ruling of uh, uh, Micron, China's Minister of Commerce is in Shanghai and talking to the American business delegates there saying, you know, we remain open to business. You will be welcomed here. And also China's foreign ministry also made it clear that, you know, as long as you follow China's regulations and rules, so it'll be fine. So this is not something that China is trying to targeting American companies. Uh, It's just a a legitimate kind of uh, investigation into something that may have national security concerns. So Micron has been declared a serious network security risk. How does this really impact Micron as a company and its business in mainland China? Well, uh, I think for for Micron, the company, the station, of course, is not very good. Uh, because apparently uh, uh, the key infrastructure information operators in China can no longer uh, buy these products. And also it is also a very kind of like public relations disaster for the company because Chinese government is coming out to say, guys, these products have national security concerns. And if you are a Chinese consumer or if you are a Chinese private company, you will when you try to buy uh, these products, you will you have a second thought, say, maybe I should just pick up a local product or a Korean product instead of this company being named by Beijing as, uh, as dangerous. So it is also coming at uh, a very bad timing for uh, Micron because uh, its business not doing uh, very well in the, in the last year because of the oversupply uh, in, in the whole kind of global market. So China as a whole, I think, contributed to about like 11 or 12% of revenues mainland China to uh, Micron's revenues. So uh, we have to wait and see to see how how really uh, this kind of ruling is going to uh, affect its uh, its business. But for now, it looks like very, very bad. It's the worst scenario that Micron could uh, lose China market as a whole. But we have also to uh, bear in mind that it is not the first time, actually, the Chinese authority has said something about uh, about the company. In 2018, there's a court, a local court in Fujian province, where the Fujian Jinghua was based, basically had a ruling saying, you know, Micron has been uh, violating Chinese regulations, so all its imported products should be stopped. But of course, because China still needs these products, so nobody really uh, implemented this kind of court ruling seriously. So if you if you continue to search these uh, products, you can still find uh, lots of uh, Micron uh, uh, memory products uh, available in Chinese marketplace and also on e-commerce website. For the latest one, uh, I think it's much more serious because first of all, it's coming from the CAC, the Cyberspace Administration of China. This is a central government authority. 
And also, it is widely reported. Almost every uh, media outlet, every publication in China carries this news, and so that people will not miss the importance of this uh, decision. We will see. Uh, and if uh, if Micron, uh, the possibilities for can prove to Beijing that okay, you know, can talk to Beijing that okay, how, what's what's your concerns? What are you worrying about? And we can take some measures to fix these problems. And maybe there is a slight chance that some of these products can continue to uh, to be sold in, in the Chinese uh, market. Uh, yesterday, Macron had a conference call with analysts, and the company for now seems also trying to keep a low profile. And I guess uh, they will hire lots of uh, lobbyists or lawyers to talk to the Chinese government to, to find the final solution. Josie, I'm curious about your analysis of the response from Washington. Does it really have a leg to stand on in this dispute and complaining about this given its behaviour since last October? It's escalated its restrictions. It's put the hard word on the Netherlands and Japan to hugely reduce their exports of chip-making gear to mainland China. How does this play out? Jared, I think you have already got the answer in your question. <laughs> No, it's it's quite interesting because for this time, because usually we'll say if the Chinese government is doing something to a company, and the company should respond strongly, right, uh, instead of the U.S. government. But this time it's a uh, U.S. government, uh, the, the Department of Commerce, has a much stronger response uh, to China's decisions and Micron, the company itself. And then, of course, uh, uh, for, for, the, for the U.S. government, it's trying to frame this, this move as part of China's deliberate targeting of American businesses. Uh, but if we really look at, you know, what, as you said, you know, what the U.S. has done to Chinese companies, Beijing's move is quite restrained and also quite a small, you know, compared to Huawei. Even even to today, there's no concrete evidence to show that Huawei really poses a national security uh, threats to U.S. or to any other country. The logic is always a, if we allow Huawei to control these kind of communication infrastructure, then the, given the company's close relationship to the Chinese government, you know, they could do something that may endanger the national security of, uh, of the USA. Uh, and China didn't actually play the same kind of logic. If, that's a, if, if China really wants to play the same logic, then every US company will fall into this group, right? So it is only now for Micron is, uh, is, is targeted. So reading from the Chinese side, I think the, the argument is still that we are just doing uh, an individual case that have serious concerns about national security threats. And it's not a broader campaign to targeting uh, US businesses. And of course, the US government will say, no, you are. You are doing the, you are deliberately you are targeting uh, an American company, which is uh, Micron. You are trying to use this economic coercion against the American uh, business interests. So we are seeing two kind of different uh, narratives here. And I think China will find difficult to prove to the rest of the world that it's actually an individual case because it's, first of all, it's never happened before. And, and B, you know, the atmosphere is there. But China just cannot uh, really defend itself uh, very well when, when the G7 was, was calling out China for kind of economic threats. For now, this is the Chinese government versus Micron. And whether we escalate into another kind of battle between Beijing and Washington, uh, we'll wait to see. Well, with that, may I ask you this one final question, Josin? Is this the end of the beginning or the beginning of the end? Are there potentially other tech sanctions that Beijing might place on US tech exports, companies such as Qualcomm? Would they be possibly in the firing line? 
Really, really nobody knows. Uh, I mean, uh, according to all Chinese uh, laws and regulations, as long as you follow these kind of uh, rules, it should be fine. But you also have to remember that you know, Qualcomm is not have a completely uh, clean kind of a track record in China. It was once fined by um, one billion US dollars for monopoly. Right? You still remember this? They they maintain their uh, Chinese businesses because China needs their products, and also they find China a very attractive market. Of course, there are some people saying you know China is targeting Micron uh, because you know Chinese companies and the Korea companies can provide the uh, the placement for Micron products. In other words. You know, China will never uh, sanction Qualcomm or uh, ASML as long as China still needs their products. But this is, again, a very big if. So, so we, we, we really don't know. But given the broader kind of confrontation between China and the United States, I, I would say, you know, this will not be the last. Another important thing is that, you know, this is the first time that CAC, uh, this Cybersecurity Review Office, has punished or has made a ruling on a foreign business. And so it is actually a trailblazer. So there's a kind of a protocol now for China to do to do these kind of things if there's uh, other signs of financial security risks. So I guess this will not be the last, but I don't expect also like this is a part of a broad campaign that China will go all out against American businesses. Much to watch, much to listen for. Josine, tech desk editor for scmp.com. We will watch for your analysis and reports online, as with the rest of the team. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jared. As critical news stories emerging from China continue to shape lives and business around the world, the weekly SCMP Global Impact Newsletter brings you expert analyses and insights on the economics of COVID-19, society, technology, and the environment. Sign up to receive your weekly email at scmp.com slash newsletters. So let's move on to this other major story happening inside China right now that's making global headlines. It's about consultancy firms in mainland China. And if you're thinking that's a bit vague, let me unpack for you a little of what that means. Let's say you run a company in California or London or Sydney and you want to open a factory in Guangzhou or partner with an existing company in Chengdu. Maybe you run a hedge fund or a mutual fund and you want to invest. You want to know if this company in mainland China is on the up and up, that they're legit. You want to know who are the right people to talk to, or you want to know more about the people your people have been in contact with. You want to know that everyone's 100%, no criminal history, no obvious warning signs, it's all above board. Also, you want to know if this company is compliant in all the relevant laws, labour laws, environmental laws, and that kind of thing. And especially if you're an American company, you'll need to know you're abiding by all the new laws that have come in under the Trump and Biden governments, strictly regulating what Americans can and can't buy, sell or source from Chinese companies. You can, of course, also describe these consultancy companies as providing business intelligence, information on the local market, on competitors, on risk and threats. Now, over the last few months, there's been a rising sense of unease. Because in March, Chinese authorities raided the Beijing office of a diligence company called Mintz Group. They shut it down as well as detaining five local staff. And that was followed up with a statement from the foreign ministry that said this company was suspected of engaging in unlawful business operation. Now in late April, another US consultancy group, Bain & Company, confirmed that local police had visited their office in Shanghai and questioned some staff. 
Now, these companies are big. Mince and Bain are massive consultancies with offices around the world and with decades of experience and connections in mainland China and Hong Kong. But last week, things escalated when authorities announced they had raided offices in Shanghai, Beijing, Suzhou and Shenzhen of a company called Capvision. Capvision runs China's largest expert network group. But more than that, China's state TV channel, CCTV, aired a current affairs-style segment showing one of these raids of a Capvision office. It's the kind of report you'll see on TV shows like 60 Minutes. Identities of sources are blurred on screen. There's video footage edited for maximum investigative journalism effect. But there's a much bigger story going on here. So let me take you to Shanghai first and then back to Hong Kong to find out more. My colleague on the tech desk in our Shanghai bureau is Tracy Chu. She's been following this story. Tracy, hello and thank you for your time. Let's go back to last Monday, last week, the state broadcaster, China State Television, aired a primetime news report focused on Catvision Partners. You know, this is the third consultancy targeted. Can you tell us a bit more about that report? What was the framing of the story? Yes, according to the China CCTV report, National Security Authorities raided Cavicious office in Shanghai, Beijing, Suzhou, and Shenzhen. The company runs China's largest expert network group. The TV program interviewed different parties such as police, uh, employees at Cavicious, and also experts who broke the law and leaked the information. In that program, Cavicious, which arranges informational interviews with subject experts or clients, was accused of degenerating into uncompliance of overseas intelligence agencies. Tracy, I'll just recap there that quote from that TV report, degenerating into an accomplice of overseas intelligence agencies. It sounds quite serious. Yeah, I think they um, interviewed uh, some, the experts who leaked the information and they emphasized that uh, they leaked the information to overseas clients and it is different for to for them to um the clients the overseas clients is different from domestic clients they emphasize that point in the tv program so tracy can i ask why is this happening now what do we know about this is there any specific reason why these raids and arrests have been happening over these past couple of months um, some are seeing this part of the lead up to the introduction of the updated anti-espionage law. It broadens the definition of spying and it, it is set to come into effect in July. Some foreign business communities are unnerved. They are afraid that the business practice that they saw is regular in the past could become criminal now. And as we've reported elsewhere on SCP.com, this kind of looks like an echo of what's happening in the US as it sort of ties down, it links to, links between universities and Chinese academics, this heightened focus on the idea of knowledge going between the two countries. Can you tell us a bit more of the response you've observed in the China consulting industry in mainland China? Yes, we spoke to some people who followed the industry. Um, for example, uh, Edward, the, the founder and chief executive of Gaofeng Adversary Company, spoke to us, and he said that the, the investigation sent a warning signal to the whole industry about the legal risk of threatening China's security. He said that 
uh, commission should ensure their teams of experts have received a strict training on what they can and cannot disclose when responding to clients' inquiries. Commission itself also released a statement saying that it has set up a compliance commission and will rectify its operation under the guidance of China's national security authorities. Some financial institutions have already taken precautionary measures in response, such as suspending expert interviews. We found this out from a dependent analyst that some financial institutions have already taken precautionary measures, such as suspending expert interviews. He said that it could take a long time for these companies to find replacement services that are also compliant. Well, Tracy, as I said, you're in our Shanghai Bureau. You're following this story. There may well be a lot more to come on this as we go towards July and this official announcement of the update to mainland China's to Beijing's Espionage Act. We'll look for your stories and analysis on scp.com. Tracy Chu, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. Andrew Collier is a veteran China analyst specializing in China's tech companies, banking system, and macro economy. He's also the managing director of Orient Capital Research and the author of a new book titled China's Technology War, Why Beijing Took Down Its Tech Giants. Now, Andrew, I have to start by saying I emailed a request to speak to you last week, and it was solely about consultancies in mainland China. Given the news over the weekend and the content and title of your latest book, I have to ask you about this news of the declaration of Micron chips as a national security threat to China. What's your perspective on this? Well, clearly, uh, it's a tit-for-tat battle between China and the U.S. on guarding state secrets or guarding state technology and private sector technology. Micron uh, was a response by the Chinese for policies by the Congress that would protect or prevent the export of certain high technology chips to China. It was pretty savvy move by the Chinese because Micron's technology can be replaced by similar chips coming from Korea. And uh, therefore, it was, it, it's not going to cripple the Chinese tech industry. It was a targeted measure. And I'm not saying I agree with what they did. Uh, on the other hand, I don't agree necessarily with what the U.S. Congress has done, um, but at least it was it was a political act with a certain amount of restraint. The broader question, obviously, is you know wh- what's the end game for all this, and we don't know how far it's going to go. My personal feeling is that uh, Xi Jinping and the leadership is going to f- are going to going to find it difficult to cut themselves off from Western technology. So they're going to have to play ball with the U.S. Uh, political system, the Congress and the president, and even to, with the Europeans who are now getting uh, more and more forceful about their measures against China. And uh, that's not to say that I agree with all the measures that are imposed, but certainly um, they are a reality and, and the Chinese economy has more to lose than I think the West. Can I follow that up there? You mentioned the end game, and I've meant to ask you about, is there a longer game here? There are news reports this morning that, as you indicated, Samsung from South Korea look likely to maybe fill that gap. But what of the other US chip makers like Qualcomm and Broadcom? Is there a longer game, do you think, being played here? Well, you have to look at how much the, the Western and American chip makers 
equipment is used within China and how sensitive and important it is. If it's really important for the future of telecommunications equipment market in China, then therefore it's unlikely the Chinese are going to try to hit back at them because they need this stuff and they can't replace some of the high-end chips and many of the high-end chips particularly the you know small nanometer chips easily so therefore i think they're going to refrain from doing actions that are going to be really shoot themselves in the foot will the us push them to the point where they feel they have to sort of basically cut themselves off from the west i don't think so as i said i think china's got a lot more to lose in the west than this so let me turn to exactly what consultants do in mainland china what kinds of information they provide. Can you recap for us what, what you, your company, and others like Mints and Bain actually do? Well, my company doesn't do due diligence anymore. I did do that about 10 years ago. Um, I mean, I started off my career in, in with the Bank of China running their BOCI, their investment bank in the United States. And I would take investors on trips to China just to speak to officials about how economic conditions were. And we went from province to province, and we were very open about looking for investment opportunities. And the Bank of China was very good about uh, assisting in that process. When I moved back to Hong Kong 10 years ago, I did do due diligence on specific companies. And that got a little more tricky because there are companies that didn't necessarily want to reveal what their operations were. And there was a lot of fraud. I don't know if you remember Sino Forest. It was a company that said it had eight, you know thousands of acres of forest land. And in fact, it didn't. And it ended up being a huge fraud. Uh, of course, we have the same thing in the United States. I mean, there's there's tons of fraud, and we've also had with um, Enron and other companies. So it's it's it, every country has that situation. The second part of consulting, which we're seeing in Cap Vision, is what they call expert networks, and that's where somebody who has worked in an industry or uh, still works in an industry gets on the telephone with an investor in the West. And they ask him questions. And I, I still do that about China's macro economy. It's not really specific to any company. And there are, the, the companies I work for are very strict about what I can and cannot say because there was a huge scandal involving Gerson Learman Group, one of the big expert network companies, about eight years, 10 years ago, where uh, a scientist at a university in the United States was revealing uh, sensitive data about trials on drugs. And it caused, it was a multi-million dollar uh, fine that was imposed on them. My understanding of the CapVision situation is that they, they were extensively using uh, expert networks and their controls were probably not that good. Uh, so the crackdown in some ways was legitimate. They were There may have been either state secrets or sensitive technology that was being revealed. Um, the interesting point uh, that was, uh, as my uh, colleague uh, Victor Shu at the University of, in San Diego pointed out, is that had the China Securities Regulatory Commission instituted this crackdown, they may have been praised by the West. Uh, but since, since the Ministry of State Security did it, it looked like a security move rather than just kind of a due diligence uh, regulatory action in the financial sector. It became a sort of a military action. And that was one of the problems. Uh, so I don't think the crackdown was necessarily illegitimate. The problem is in China, often these crackdowns go way beyond their original scope. So that means that anybody with any information is going to be potentially in trouble. And we've seen that with wind information, which provides uh, bond data. It's now hard to access that. So unfortunately, in China, they tend to have campaigns that lack restrictions. And these campaigns often exceed their initial goals. 
So how are these raids and arrests viewed by other consultancies, other consultants and analysts you know within mainland China as well as Hong Kong? Well, I mean, if you're in the business of doing due diligence on companies, you're going to be scared to death about this because it basically, I mean, it almost kills the business. I mean, it's going to make it extremely difficult for anybody to to do telephone calls in, in China. Even basic stuff like, you know, is this company really producing a thousand widgets a month? I mean, the stuff that you really should be able to trust. Many Western investors are already consider China uninvestable. And that's because of the uh, macroeconomic conditions. So the property market is crashing. Uh, the stock market has not been doing well uh, historically. And I just met with a fund manager in Hong Kong yesterday who told me that there's a huge layoffs among bankers in Hong Kong because there's no need for them anymore because the money being invested in China has dropped. So there's a combination of factors that are essentially eroding the interactions financially or, or due diligence wise between China and the West. So are there new red lines for the job being drawn? And I guess on both sides of the world with what's happening in mainland China and we're seeing also in the US, not the same, but different kind of approach to you know charging people with espionage or passing on secrets from different companies. Is there red lines now coming up for consultants? Well, you, have, you do have some problems in the United States. I mean, the United States has a more advanced regulatory system and it's been doing this for a long time and they've got better... Uh, restrictions in place. They don't always work, as we've seen with Bernie Madoff, as with the Enron scandal, but at least they're they're fairly advanced. China is basically developing that regulatory system. So they're kind of at the early stages of getting that happening. In the United States, there are questions of what I call mission creep, where the military aspects of concerns about security may go farther than is necessary to preserve uh, corporate secrets. So, I mean, we're seeing some indications that that's happening. I don't think it's anywhere near the scope as you have in China because the security concerns uh, go right to the top and right to the Ministry of State Security and to the party, which now, in, in fact, it, it controls the PBOC, the central bank, and the the other financial uh, institutions, which uh, up until last year, they did not control that. So there's much, much further mission creep in China than there is in the United States in that sense. So the red lines for investors in China are very vague. The red lines in the United States are a little bit vague, but at least the the, the scope of action is much smaller. Now, you mentioned some of the impact on investment money flowing towards mainland China in terms of the impending possible housing market crash, various other economic conditions. We've got Qin Gang on one side of the world in Europe saying what a great idea it is to invest in mainland China right now. We've got these raids happening in mainland China for consultancies. What kind of effect has this had on investment sentiment and investment sentiment in terms of putting money into manufacturing or, or buying into certain companies? How is this really affecting the flow of investment into mainland China? Well, there's two issues. There's the security concerns and the macroeconomic concerns. Macroeconomic concerns are the, by far outweigh everything else because the, the Chinese economy is struggling and a lot of the Western uh, countries are basically taking the attitude that maybe it's not a great idea to be there. Now, obviously, consumer goods, high-end stuff like Gucci bags are selling well and certain petrochemicals. I mean, BASF from Germany has a, a significant presence there and they're not backing away some of the auto industry. So there's there's definitely demand. But in terms of uh, securities and bonds and uh, private equity and, and private investments, 
that money is drying up quite significantly. Now, the cap vision situation and the due diligence and the uh, consulting business is not helping because let's say you're an adventurous hedge fund in New York and you want to look at a company. You're saying to yourself, well, everybody says that you know it's a difficult investing environment, but I think there's some opportunities. And in fact, I was at a meeting this week with a bunch of hedge funds that are basically said here here are a whole bunch of investable companies you know particularly tech companies in shenzhen and pharmaceutical companies the problem is that if you can't get any information about them even basic information some some of the macro data is no longer being released and uh, wind information is not providing some data that they used to get on on bonds and other areas and now you've got a situation where you can't hire a consultant to just sort of figure out the market and you know, how big is the market for this pharmaceutical firm, that kind of stuff. You're going to say, well, you know, it's really the risk is too high. I mean, the economy's struggling, but there's some good companies. But if I can't figure out how good they are, then I'm not going to do this. So it's it's an added problem for for China. Andrew Collier, you mentioned risk and investment in mainland China, and it seems to play right into that narrative of de-risking we've heard come out of the EU and now from the US. There's a lot more to come on this story. Thank you very much for talking to us. It's been very educational. Thank you. Thank you, Jared. I, I appreciate being asked to be on the show. That's all for this episode of Inside China, but definitely not all for this week. Very soon, we'll be talking crypto, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all manner of fintech. And why, you ask? Because there's a change coming to Hong Kong's regulations about cryptocurrency that is going to have a huge impact, not just on the global crypto industry itself, but on the huge interest and investment in cryptocurrency in mainland China, which has banned all trading in cryptocurrency since 2019. There's a lot going on in this space, and there's a lot to talk about. Until then, don't forget all your latest news and analysis from inside China and around the world can be found at scmp.com. And you can find the latest as well as our archive of award-winning video stories on YouTube in the South China Morning Post channel. My name is Jared Watt. Thank you kindly for listening all the way to the end of this episode. Bye for now. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.